0: Mark uh, chapter 14 we're going to begin reading in verse 53 uh, here Uh, and these are uh, these 12 verses that we're looking at and chapter 15 is when we'll get to the cross Uh, but in chapter 14 this is leading up to the cross this is uh, the night of his trial that is going on but these are not these 12 verses we're going to be looking at this morning are, are not verses that just uh, just fill in the gap. It's more than just getting us to the cross. Every detail was planned. Every part of it went according to God's plan. And everything that happened, happened just like God wanted it, just like God had, had said before it would happen. It was all for a reason. Everything had its reason and had its purpose. And I've seen that in a fresh and new way, even this week as I was... Uh, uh, praying uh, through this passage and preparing to share with you uh, this morning. But Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 53, where it says, And they led Jesus away to the high priest. Those are, Remember, we, we looked in uh, the verses uh, previous to this about them arresting him in the garden. And so they're taking him out of the garden and taking him uh, to the high priest. This is the Jewish high priest, the one uh, uh, that is supposed to be the religious leader of, uh, of the nation of Israel at this time. And with him were assembled all the chief priests, the elders and the scribes. But Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and mourned himself at the fire. And we'll get back to Peter at, uh, uh, probably next week. Pick up in verse 55. It says, Now the chief priests and all the council sought testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimonies did not agree. Then some rose up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I will build another made out of hands. And let me just say right there, Jesus did say that the temple would be destroyed, but he didn't say that he would destroy it. And when he was talking about the temple Uh, being the, the temple that would be destroyed and would be raised in three days. He wasn't talking about the Jewish temple. He was talking about himself. Verse 59, but not even then did their testimony agree because they're trying to twist it. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus saying, do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But he kept silent. And answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him, saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And that would have been enough. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, What further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. Then some began to spit on him, and to blindfold him, and to beat him, and say to him, Prophesy. And the officers struck him with the palms of their As we look at this passage of scripture, it's, it's more than just an, an, an interesting story. It's more than just a touching story when you see what Jesus went through. I want you to understand, we were just singing about it, and I love the way, the passion that we sang with in doing that because this is the most significant event in all of history. Absolutely is. That the God who made this world would take on human flesh and come to this earth and save those he created from their sins. It is the most significant event. It is the only event that really matters. And here in this passage, we see that God the Son is being put on trial. Now, this trial, it was an illegal, unjust, unbiblical, unfair, unethical trial. It violated uh, Old Testament law. It violated Roman law as well. And they're trying God the Son. Let that sink in just a moment. But really as we, we look at this, there's a lot of things that, that, are, that are true about this passage, but as we focus on it, we don't need to put our focus on the trial as much as we need to put our focus on Him. Because really the focus here is, yes, there were some things going on and we're going we're to look at that, but the focus is upon Him and His suffering and what He went through even before the cross for you and for me. What He went through for us. And so there's two ways I, I want us to look at this. The first thing I want us to focus in on as we look at him and what he went through is I want us to take a good hard look at the things that should break us. What it is that should break us. What Jesus went through here. When we look at what he went through and why he went through it, we know that he's doing it for us. We know that he's suffering for us. We know that this is part of the payment for every sin that you and I have done. And that, that ought to t- touch our hearts, that ought to to stir us, that ought to, to move us, that ought to break us. In this passage of Scripture, we see, first of all, that God the Son, Jesus, God the Son, was lied about. They're telling lies about God. God the Son standing in their presence, and they're twisting the truth and telling lies about it. Look in verse fifty-five. It says that the chief priests and all the council they sought testimony against Jesus. Now they didn't seek testimony about the truth. Did you hear that? They didn't seek the testimony of the truth to get down to the truth of the matter of who Jesus was. They were looking for testimony against Jesus. That's what they were. That's all they wanted to hear. They didn't bring in anybody that had been healed by him. They didn't bring the the woman at the well that was saved, and all those folks from Samaria. They didn't bring the woman that was uh, uh, that was uh, caught in adultery and that was forgiven of her sin. They didn't bring Lazarus in there. They didn't. Bring, they were just looking for testimony against him. And then it says they wanted, to why? Because they wanted to put him to death, but they found none, or they couldn't fi- find any that fit in. And then it said, many bore false witness against him, but their testimonies did not agree. Then some rose up and bore false witness against him, saying this. We heard him say, I'll destroy this temple made with... Uh, hands and within three days I will build another made without hands we talked about that just a moment ago he says but not even then did their testimony agree there were so many lies that were told about him why because they wanted him dead and they were wanting to do whatever it takes to put him to death they couldn't even get their testimonies to agree. why because it wasn't true it's hard to get testimony to line up when you're, you're basing it around lies because they don't know which lie, how much they're supposed to lie and how far they're supposed to It never lines up. And when they get to the part about the temple, they they tell the partial truth about when he said that. He did say that that temple would be destroyed, but he didn't say that he would destroy it. And when he was talking about the the temple that would be destroyed and and be rebuilt in three days, he was talking about himself. So they're they're even trying to tell partial truths uh, about him. And this is God the Son that they're lying about. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been where somebody just made up lies about you? That felt wonderful, didn't it? Multiply that by about a million and you might touch what Jesus is going through here. Because it's all lies. It's all lies. He didn't do anything wrong. God the Son was lied about. Why? That he might suffer for our sins. Secondly, God the Son was challenged. Did you, you see that? God the Son was challenged. They're challenging the one true God here. But that's exactly what took place. He's challenged by the high priest. But he's the high priest, but he's not any higher than Jesus. Matter of fact, Jesus is higher than he, Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is the ultimate high priest. And, and he is, doesn't come close to who he is, who Jesus is, but he is challenging it. Verse 60 says, And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you, but you Jesus kept silent and answered nothing. And again, the high priest asked him, saying, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? He's being challenged by this this earthly high priest, really this sinful, wicked high priest, because he's the one that's leading the charge. He's the one that wants him to die. He's the one seeking testimony against him. He is... As he's, he's looking at this, he's the one that he thinks that he's in charge. We talked about that last week. He's commanding, he's demanding, he's giving the orders. When all the evidence supports Jesus. He was born of a virgin and nobody could deny that or refute that. They could tell lies about it. He lived a sinless life. Nobody could deny it or refute it. They could only tell lies about it. He performed miracles and ministered to people and helped everyone he came into contact. Nobody could deny that they could only lie about it. He taught with authority and taught the truth and everything he said was right and true, and no one could deny that they could only lie about it. That's who Jesus is. He was challenged. You ever been challenged? Your authority been challenged? Okay, let me put it to you this way. Parents, have you ever had your kids talk back to you? (laughs) And how that kind of gets to you a little bit? (laughs) Multiply that a million times over. These are the spoiled brats challenging the authority. And yet, He lets it happen for you. God the Son was condemned. Verse 63 says, The high priest, after he answered him, tore his clothes and said, What further need do we have of witnesses? You've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. They're saying this about him. God the Son is God. The Son is being condemned here. They accuse him of, I mean, they, he asks him, he says, are you the Christ? They didn't believe he was the Christ. The Christ means the Messiah. They're asking him if he's the promised one of the Altar, which is exactly who he was. And yet they won't believe that. They're they're con- I mean that's who he is, and they're condemning him. They're asking him if he's the son of the, the blessed one there, and that's exactly who he is. And he's the son of, of God. He is God the Son, but they don't believe that. He, I mean, he answers them and says, "I I am." But they're they're condemning the one who is God the Son, the one who is the Messiah. And what's very interesting here is that they 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 call him the the son of the blessed here. Uh, that that they once used the name of God. They respect the name of God so much that they won't use the name of God, and yet they're condemning God the Son. The hypocrisy of it. But yet Jesus is fixing to go to Calvary's cross and die for every bit of their hypocrisy. Have you ever been there? Unjustly accused? Multiply that a million times over and you might come close to what Jesus is going through. And then God the Son, the creator of human flesh, has taken on human flesh for this very reason. That he might suffer in human flesh. And God the Son was abused. God the Son, the, 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 the authority, the authority one true God was abused. Verse 65 says, then some began to spit on him. You ever had that happen to you? To spit on somebody, spit on you? I mean, what disrespect for God, the Son. And not only that, but then it says that they, they blindfolded him uh, and, and beat him. And so, that, what does that mean? There? It, it means they put a blindfold so he couldn't see what was going on and he couldn't brace for the punches. And when it says they beat on him, that word beat there literally means to punch with a closed fist. And so they would just rear back and just haul off and hit him. And he didn't know which side it was coming from or straight on or whatever. And they just punched him and beat him unmercifully. unmercifully. And the thing, you know, as I was thinking about this is sometimes it only takes one punch to knock you out. And Jesus was so, so much in control of what was going on. He took every punch that could have knocked him out and it didn't knock him out. He felt the full brunt of it. You ever your body ever been through anything like that, maybe a car wreck or something like that, and how painful, how sore you, Jesus, that's what Jesus is going, multiply that a million times over, he's suffering for sin here, he's suffering for our sin, and then if that wasn't enough, they mocked him, they said to him, prophesy. What are they saying here? They're saying, you're blindfolded. We're punching you. Tell us which one punched you. By the way, he could have told them exactly who it was that punched him, and he could have told them about every sin they'd ever committed in their life. He could have. This is God the Son here. But he took the pain. He took the mocking. He took the disrespect and the spit. And if that wasn't enough, they went on and they struck him. It says, the official struck him with the palms of their hands, which was painful enough, but it was also a sign of respect, a slap with the open hand. Your body ever been beat up before? Multiply that a million times over and you might come close to what Jesus is going through here. And what was it that did this? Why is Jesus going through this? Understand that he's not just going to die for our sins, but he suffered for our sins. He is already beginning to feel the impact of sin. And every punch, and every slap, and every word of disrespect, And every beating, it doesn't go into detail here about the beating, that's coming, the whip that is coming later. But every bit of it was because of our sin. Let me tell you, that should break us. When we look at what our sin has done to the Lord, that ought to break us. That ought to break our hearts, and that ought to break our spirit of chasing sin. to know this is what sin does. Why would we embrace what's done this? We ought to do everything we can. We ought to, we ought to seek to follow Christ so closely that, that we don't go in for sin because this is what sin did to him. This is what our sin did to him. We ought to flee sin. We ought to run from sin. We ought to put sin to death in our lives. The sins of our, our lives, it ought to break us to know that Jesus had to go through this for us. It ought to, to break us, not only our, breaking our hearts, but breaking our, our desire for sin in our lives embrace the suffering of Jesus but not only should this break us but it also can heal us you see when Jesus went through this he didn't just go through it so that we would feel bad about sin in our lives He he is doing a work in the midst of this. And this is something that the Lord has grabbed a hold of me this week. And I I want you to understand this, that if you're here and you're in the midst of difficult times, you're in the midst of challenging times, you're in the midst of of even suffering as it is uh, uh, in your, your life, I want you to know what Jesus went through, not only on the cross, but leading up to the cross as well. It can heal us. There's healing in this. There, there, there's comfort in this. There's strength. There's encouragement in the midst of it. You know, it's bad enough that he went through this, but there's more going on for the matter of fact, in Philippians chapter 3 and, and, and verse 10, you remember that passage of scripture where it talks, uh, talks about that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, but then he goes on to say, and the fellowship of his sufferings. We need to to be impacted by his suffering and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. There's something going on with his suffering. We sang about it earlier that not only when we're talking about the gospel there, not only that he died, when we're talking about the old rugged cross, but that he suffered and died. That's scriptural. There's something going on in the suffering. What do I mean by that? Well, look at this passage of scripture. First of all, Tied into suffering, his knowledge heals us. So what do you mean by that? Well, look at in verse 54. It says, Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warned himself of the fire. Just a spoiler alert, Peter's going to deny him. But Jesus knew that Peter was there. Jesus knew what Peter was going to do. Jesus has already told Peter what he was going to do. So Jesus knows this. And then going on into into verse 55 says, The chief priests and all the council sought testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found that Jesus knew this. And many bore false witness against him, but their testimonies did not agree. Jesus knew every one of them, knew everything that was going on. Jesus saw, Jesus heard. Verse 57, uh, 56 says uh, that many bore false witness against him, but the testimonies did not agree. Then some rose up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I'll destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I'll build another made without hands. And now, even then did their testimony agree. Jesus saw, Jesus heard, Jesus knew everything that was going on he even knew their hearts but let me tell you something Jesus knows us as well and he knows our needs he knows how messed up we are I had a friend of mine that when you'd see him we, would, we were doing a Bible study together and you would come into that Bible study he'd He'd go and he'd introduce his name. He says, I'm messed up and broken, but God loves me. That'll be the testimony. That'll be our secret handshake around here. Hey, I'm Doug. I'm messed up and broken, but God loves me. (laughs) You don't have to pretend with Jesus. Listen, this is important as we go into suffering because when you're going through suffering, what do we, we want to we blame ourselves. We want to think it's all because of what we were doing. But Jesus knows all about us, and Jesus has not only uh, died on the cross for us, but Jesus suffered for us for, uh, as well, and he knows everything about us, and he provides for, for all of us what it is that we need. Now, we must admit to our need. That's what it, this, his knowledge heals us. How? Because he knows everything. We don't have to deny. So in the midst of our hard times, in the midst of our difficulties, we can come clean to God. We don't have to cover up. We don't have to de- deny the things. We don't have to lie about things. Bring it to him. See, that's, there's purpose in our suffering. Because we think that when everything is going well, it's because we've got things hidden and God had not seen it. That's not true. When everything is going well, it's the grace of God. But not only that, but when suffering comes into our lives, that's the grace of God as well. Because that's oftentimes when we'll get real with God. And that's when we need to open up to our, our greatest needs. And we need to confess. And we need to come clean. And we can find a relationship with God in the midst of our suffering that is real. That's how his knowledge heals us. Because we acknowledge that he knows everything and we come to him and admit to our need. Not only that, but his truth heals us. When Jesus spoke in verse 62, he spoke the truth. What did he say? They asked him, are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And he said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. He spoke the truth. When he said, I am, what did he say? He said, I am the Messiah. And by the way, Jesus is. This Jesus is is, (laughs) He's the promised one. He is He's what life is all about. He is He is everything. He's the creator. He's the, the one that came, and He's the one that really did die for our sins. He's also the one who really did suffer for us as well. He's the one, He did it all. He is the Son of the Blessed. He's not only the Son of the Blessed, but He's the Son of God. That's who He is. And then when he just says, I am, what is he talking about there when he says, I am? He's saying, I'm the one that Moses met in the burning bush. When Moses met God in the burning bush, he said, uh, God told him to go and to to set the children of Israel free. And, And he said, well, who do I tell them has sent me? He said, you tell them I am that I am. And that's exactly who Jesus is saying he is right here when he says, I am. I am the God of the Old Testament. I am the one who led the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt. I am the one who met uh, who met uh, with Moses there in the burning bush. I am the one who went before them. I am the one that, that David said that uh, the Lord is my shepherd. That's me, and that's who Jesus is. And so, what do we need to we need to embrace the truth of who He is? Listen, oftentimes we'll, we'll run to books and we'll listen to sermons, and I'm glad you're listening to this sermon, but, but oftentimes we depend on secondhand knowledge of who God is. Listen, get into this book for yourself. Meet with God for yourself. Don't try to find a, a God that fits your situation or that makes you feel good. Find out who the real God is, and you'll find not only one who makes you feel good, but one who is good and brings real comfort and real joy and real peace in the midst of it. We must embrace who he is not some made up version of God because when suffering comes it's time to get real thirdly his humility heals us back all the way back in verse 53 it says and they led Jesus away to the high priest and with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes And the Word of God is always true. That's exactly what happened. But if you dig deeper and you understand this truth, they weren't leading Jesus as much as Jesus was leading them. He was going with them, but they weren't dragging him along. And if they had gone to the wrong place, Jesus would have told them, no, we need to go over here (laughs) because he's the one that's in charge. And by the way, he could have stopped this at any moment. But he took every bit of it. And ultimately, who is it that did this to Jesus? The high priest, the Sanhedrin, the temple guard, the Roman soldiers that were there. Yeah, they were the ones that were there that were doing this but it wasn't just them us oh yeah he was doing it for us he was having to go through all this because of our sins because of our failures because of of our pride because of our rebellion but really ultimately if you understand scripture Yes, he was doing it for us, and yes, these were the physical people that were there and that actually took part in this, but it was really the Father who was doing this to him. The Father was punishing Jesus for us. And his submission was not to sin. His submission was not to the religious authority of that day because it wasn't real authority. His submission was not to the Roman authority. His submission was to the Father. And he was going through everything that God told him to go through. Matter of fact, in Isaiah chapter 53, it says that the Messiah was smitten by God, not man. And God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was submitting to the Father and to His plan. And that's what in our suffering we must do as well. We must submit to the Father and to His plan. Because the Jesus that is in us, if you're a born-again believer, that is exactly what He does. Even in suffering, we must submit to the Father and His plan because his humility heals us as we allow the same Jesus that lives within us to, to work within us in this area of humility and submission. Then we can make it through the suffering of life. His knowledge heals us. His truth heals us. His humility heals us. And then fourthly, and then I, I want to wrap up with this right here, but I want you to tune in closely to that his suffering heals us. Look in verse 65, it talks about his suffering. It says, Some began to spit on him, to blindfold him, to beat him, and to say to him, Prophesy. And the officers struck him with the palms of their hands. This is the beginning of his suffering. He didn't just come to die, he came to suffer and die there's there's something uh, about that matter of fact in, in mark chapter 8 and, and verse 31 earlier jesus was talking to them and it says that he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again so jesus was telling them not only am, am i going to die not only am i going to be resurrected but i must suffer it was a must that Jesus go through this suffering. I mean, why didn't he, why didn't he just go straight to the cross? Why didn't he just allow them to kill him there in the garden, try to run away and then just kill him? Then he would die and all that. No, he must suffer and then die. There's there's something, there's a purpose in this suffering, and his suffering can heal us. We must receive the impact of his suffering. What is this impact? Well, I'm going there. Hang with me, okay? Because you see in Isaiah chapter 53 in the prophecy about Jesus. Notice what it it doesn't just say that Jesus died there in Isaiah 53 Read the whole passage there all throughout it It talks over and over again about his suffering About the things that he went through And in particular in verse 5 it says But he was wounded for our transgressions He was bruised for our iniquities By the way it doesn't say he will be It says he was because God had ordained it in such a way That that it it was like it already happened Although this is future prophecy in Isaiah, it's like it's already happened. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, what? We are healed. There's healing in the the suffering. I'm not talking about physical healing here. I'm talking about real healing here. The spiritual healing. Because you can be physically healed and still not be healed. But he didn't just die, he was wounded, he was bruised, he was chastised, the stripes were laid upon him. Now, Now catch this, okay, follow along with me. His death, the death of Jesus, we know that that applies to us. We know that because his death, when we come to Jesus, his death affects us. His death redeems us. His death saves us. His death, when we are placed in Christ at that moment of salvation, His death becomes mine. And so I die with Him. Okay, that's that, that scriptural teaching. I die with Him. Which What does that mean? That means at the moment of salvation, I am free from the future consequences of sin. The wages of sin is death. He died for me. His death becomes my death. And so I am set free from the future consequence of sin through the death of Jesus Christ. And therefore, I die with him. Hallelujah. But not only did he die, but he suffered and died. And I read that passage in Philippians 3.10 about fellowship with his sufferings. there's, There's something about his suffering as well. You see, he suffered for us as well. And when I come to Christ, I'm placed in Christ. Everything that he did becomes mine. And his suffering becomes mine. And I suffer with him. And although his death sets me free from the consequences of sin, his suffering sets me free From the present impact of sin in the midst of suffering. Because when suffering comes, sin comes with that. The temptation to sin comes with that. And so when I'm, I'm united in his suffering, his suffering becomes mine. And because he endured his suffering and stayed true to the will of God, I can endure the suffering that I'm going through and stay true to God as well. You say, well, wait a minute. I still suffer I'm not free from suffering because I still suffer. well listen you're still going to die too, but death is different because of Jesus because the Jesus died for you and let me tell you something: this suffering's different because Jesus suffered for you and that same Jesus see when we we die what does What what happens when we die because Jesus died for us? Then we're not separated from him forever. We get to be with him. It's different. We We get to be with him forever because he died for us. And when suffering comes, listen, suffering does not separate you from God because Jesus suffered for you. Jesus took the suffering upon you. And in the midst of suffering, he is with you as well. He, come, he, he suffered and, and our, his suffering becomes our suffering and therefore the sinful impact of suffering has been removed and when suffering comes I have Jesus with me and I can stay true to God and I can follow God and I can be faithful to God. Why? Not because I have the power to do that but because Jesus suffered for me. God bring us to that point of the, the fellowship of his sufferings. And that's why Paul in Romans chapter 8, he says, whatever suffering you're going through, I want you to know this very clear because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. Because you died with him. You were buried with him. You were raised with him. And by the way, you suffered with him uh, as well because you are, are in Christ. He said, I want you to know this very well. When suffering comes into your life, and it will, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord because Jesus suffered for us are you suffering are you hurting I want to declare this truth to you very good very strongly Jesus is with you and there's no suffering that you're going through right now that Jesus had not already born for you your suffering cannot separate you from Him. This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that He will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you were blessed by today's message.